Welcome to Small Subjects, Big Ideas About Miniatures and Modeling. I'm Barry Biediger. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This is our first episode of, uh, of a podcast in which we're going to talk about some of the big topics in the worlds of scale modeling, diorama building, and sculpting and painting miniature figures. Uh, we're going to have interviews with some of the top artists in the field. We're going to try to cover every era, and uh, from historical to fantasy subjects. Barry, I think we, uh, for episode one, we have to say who the hell we are. So who are you? Well, I live in Salt Lake City. I work for state government here in Utah as a geographic information systems analyst, which means I make maps and do geographic analyses of various types. I've been modeling since I was around six or seven. I've primarily made figures and figure-based dioramas, but I also build military vehicles and the occasional airplane. Well, I'm a modeler, uh, started in my teens, uh, came back to it after a long gap, probably 20 years ago now. I do mostly figures, uh, although, I don't know, in the year of pandemic hell, I've done four uh, tanks or amphibious vehicles, I should say. I was on an amphibious kick, Barry. Um, I'm the secretary of the Military Miniature Society of Illinois. We're going to put tons of links up on our Facebook uh, page, uh, and we welcome anybody to join that group. You're a member as well. Uh, you and I run the judging for that uh, Chicago show every year, and uh, if you join, which is free, you can uh, see the uh, journal I edit, The Scabbard, which comes out quarterly. It's a free electronic publication. Um, and uh, we, we have a website, don't we, uh, outside of the one for this podcast. That's right. You and I both run boxdioramas.com. We'll talk about boxes at some point, uh, but because uh, it is, uh, some would say, Shep Payne, our, our friend and mentor, said, sort of the pinnacle of this hobby. But uh, in this first episode, we thought we would talk about um, critiques, basically in two forms, uh, sharing your work with others uh, as the work is in progress to get feedback. Uh, and uh, bringing it to a show, uh, which is a, a more intense form of feedback in some ways. And we're going to talk about uh, the pros and cons and the attitude we think people should have about the whole thing of asking other people to, you know, for lack of a better word, judge your work. What were you thinking when you suggested uh, we talk about this? Well, the Facebook groups are great, and you can get into great conversations and, like you say, share your work and see everybody's work. But there's nothing like seeing it in person and, and talking in person. Um, no, this actually. is true. Yeah, and you and I do this a lot, don't we? Share with each other. Absolutely. Right. We're always sending each other pictures of our work. Yeah, and I love when I get them back from you and you've annotated them with little uh, squiggly arrows and circles. And <laughs> here's what I'm talking about. I'm not as good at, uh, I mean, I could, I could, I could add annotation in uh, preview, but I don't, you, you, what do you do? You do like Photoshop. You, I get them back from you and they're deluxe. Yeah, I use a Photoshop type program or I use a, an iPad program that's easy to just draw lines on, on photos and make annotations. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, hey, this arm doesn't look quite natural <laughs> with an arrow. I love that. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're in Utah. We're in, uh, I'm in Chicago. Uh, we still manage, thanks to the net, to share uh, our work in progress with each other. You share your stuff on, uh, on several Facebook groups a little more often, not a lot. I mean, some guys are on there uh, every step of the way, every single day's progress, an hour at a time. Right, yeah. I guess uh, personalities are different. How much you want to share varies, right? Yeah, it's true. You know, at the MMSI, the Military Miniature Society of Illinois, when we were meeting in person, and hopefully we'll be able to do that again in the fall, uh, many of the guys in the club, uh, men and women, would bring work in progress and put it on a special table we have. Uh, we had like one table for works in progress and one table for uh, finished pieces that people would share because it could be months before the show, right? And uh, it was always good to get that in-person feedback. On the other hand, this is a name we're going to drop a lot in this podcast. Our hero, Shep Payne, uh, had this strict policy. He didn't bring anything anywhere until it was finished. 
Yeah, well, what do you think about that? There's that's That can be good, and I see the advantages of that, but there are problems with that as well, right? Well, this gets at the fundamental uh, uh, question of this episode. Why do you share your work? You know, the problem is, this is a, a hobby that is often done in isolation, right? You know, you're sitting there in your room in Utah, and I'm at my workbench in Chicago, and you spend months on something, and then it's finished. And no artist in any medium, uh, and I would include music, uh, you know, because I, uh, I'm a musician, I make music, and I critique it. Um, you know, uh, nobody catches everything in their own work. You become blind to certain things. This is the same thing with editing. You know, you can read a piece 16 times and not notice that that sentence has a dangling participle or just doesn't make any sense. You become too close to it. Right. And so when I share my work with you and you say uh, this arm is all wrong or this leg or that stance just doesn't look natural. And you illustrate with those arrows <laughs> on the JPEG you send back. I have a chance to break that leg off and re-sculpt it. And that makes the piece better. I know you've made my pieces better. Well, and part of it is um, it's it's more efficient because a lot of those things, if you put that away. And then looked at it a year later, you might notice it, but right. And, and so it's it, if you show it to somebody else, you you get the immediate feedback. They're seeing it for the first time. It's new to them. They're going to give you information that otherwise would take you a long time to to um, uh, to come up with. And we each are stronger in certain areas, right? I mean. Um uh, I know you have a much better color sense than I do and uh, a good feel for figure anatomy, you know. Uh, on the other, none of us is perfect, on the other hand. You know, I, I, I saw that French tank you shared on the one Facebook group. Um, where did you put that up? On the Scale Modelers Critique Group. Yeah, yeah, which is great. And, and there are, generally speaking, some, some really sharp-eyed uh, contributors there. Um, and, uh, you, you know, they made some comments about needs more weathering here, and you really got to rust that chain there, <laughs> yeah. which I think you appreciated, yeah? I, I did, and, and one of the advantages of that group, or speaking to somebody who will give you an honest critique, is you want to hear... The truth. You don't want to hear people, you know, just giving you only the good parts of, of you know, what's going on, what, what's good about it. You want to hear what's wrong and what you're not seeing. And it, if people are just upfront mm -hmm. and just tell you, it's, it's very useful. It can be kind of painful, too. Yeah, well, here's the flip side, right? I think we're going to wax a little more philosophical because we think of this thing as art uh, than some of the podcasts, right? Um, you know, do people really want to hear that? There are certain people who only want positive affirmation. Right. And there are a lot of people and, and who only want positive affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they don't always get it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, the, the whole idea of this being art is... Uh, that's an interesting subject too. Uh, obviously, a totally different subject, but um, I think it's going to come up a lot in everything we talk about. Yeah, I, I think I think we'll have some interesting points of view on that that might differ from others. Yeah, yeah, but but this notion of um, of wanting positive feedback only, um, you know. I, I, you know, obviously ego's involved, right? People are precious about their work. And if you've spent 100 hours on uh, some ordinance model or a figure, I can understand that. But, um, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel. I always want to improve. Absolutely. And so I welcome uh, constructive uh, uh, feedback. And that's, you know, look, that's that's a thorny thing. You know, as a critic... You know, if I'm dissing the new album by uh, Olivia Rodrigo, look, look, you know, millions of dollars and an avalanche of publicity, uh, I don't particularly care about denting her ego if I didn't like it. Um, actually like the up-tempo stuff, not the ballads, right? All right, you know, I mean, uh, but we are, we are amateurs, all of us, uh, who are doing this mostly as a labor of love. And so... Um, uh, you do have to be sensitive with ego. Have you ever gotten a critique where you were like, man, that was just a dagger to the heart? I, I absolutely have. And it, it is difficult. 
And it, it takes some practice to learn how to take critique. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, no. I, I actually, a famous modeler, one, one that we know well, uh, Greg DeFranco, will bluntly and honestly give you a critique of your figure. He will tell you what's wrong. It, he's the nicest guy ever, and he's, he's not rude about it at all, but he has a great eye. Yeah. And he, he, he will immediately, he'll walk up to your piece and immediately point out some things. Yeah. <laughs> and at first, I don't want to make it sound like Greg DeFranco goes around at figure shows and just starts looking at figures and, and, and tells everybody oh, yeah, what's yeah. wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, no, he, that's true. He, 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 will not tell, he will not give you a, a critique unless you, unless you ask, ask for, for it. it. Right. At first, I, um, I kind of took a step back and I, th- I thought, no, that's not true. And, and then I looked at it later. I've actually looked at pieces, like I said, a year later, and I see exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. And I, and I feel embarrassed. So I, I've learned to, to accept critique from people who, who know what, what's going on. Right. But that having been said, and this is one reason we wanted to talk about this, you don't have to accept everything. You know, the person who, no matter how uh, accomplished in this art form or hobby they may be, um, you know, uh, they're not always right. I remember showing a box diorama to uh, Shep Bain and, uh, and Greg, right? Greg was visiting in Chicago in town. And, uh, and Greg said, I don't think this is a box diorama. I think this is a, uh, an open diorama. And it, it, it was... Uh, you know, a scene at the Louvre where uh, Napoleon was inspecting some of the art that had been plundered as his uh, uh, armies crossed Europe, you know, from Belgium and from Rome. And, and uh, you know, it was all going to be displayed uh, at the Louvre. They give the art to the people, take it away from the kings. But the whole thing I was trying to do was create some dramatic lighting coming through those uh, big... Uh, overhead windows at the Louvre. And, you know, when, when Greg said that, that was a piece of criticism I didn't take. It's like, no, but I took something from it still. Maybe I'm not being dramatic enough with my sunlight coming through the windows. And so I amplified that. So, you know, even though he was wrong, I don't think it was an open diorama. It was a box diorama. (laughs) Uh, But I could have done it better and taken better advantage of it being a box. So it becomes a matter, doesn't it, of learning um, which uh, parts of anybody's criticism to accept and to really judge, and which to say, mm, no, this is I know what I'm doing. Well, and there's also the idea that you you might have a, a completely different idea of where it's going. Yes, they, they might be right in a way, but you have a vision. You have to follow your vision, and you have to learn how to filter. Filter out what people are saying, um, and and take what you take the important parts. Take the parts that can help you, but still keep your vision, and learn that there are things that people are going to say that you have to kind of put to the side. And yeah. I, th- I think that was a case of that. And and also, and this is a t- speaking about the boxes and that box in particular. We've had discussions about that, and we have a totally different point of view, literally with our boxes where yeah. I like to have a very restricted viewpoint. Right. And I think that that it, it gives a totally different perspective, but that's a difference in the way we approach things. Oh yeah. So yeah. if you were to tell, if you were to tell me this box needs to be opened up more, I know that that's coming from a different viewpoint than what I have. So I, right. I might not take that advice. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Right. No, <laughs> that, that, that's A-OK. Uh, I don't think I've actually ever made that, that critique to you. Uh, there, there are many uh, uh, of yours where, yeah, no, I get what you're trying to do. And I've done some of that myself. It, it depends on, uh, on, on what your vision for the piece is. I guess that's a big question, right? Do some people 
Uh, and box dioramas are a whole subject onto themselves, right? We consistently give this advice to everybody who sees our site and wants to try uh, or sees our work and wants to try. You know, you really have to plan out exactly what you want this scene to be from the beginning and play with cardboard mock-ups and styrofoam and dummy figures uh, and, uh, and shadow and light from day one. You know, because it's not like you can just sit down and begin uh, this airplane model or this uh, tank, uh, and uh, and <laughs> you you can't. You have to know how everything's going to fit together from the beginning, or begin playing with it. All right, and and sometimes I think a lot of modelers are just so eager to open the box or begin sculpting um, that, that they don't know where they want to wind up. Yeah, that's a that's a huge difference with box dioramas. Is you have you you have to start with the planning, like you said. There's just there's no other choice. You can't just see how it turns out because there are so many variables that you need to understand before you do the major work. Right, right. But, you know, generally speaking, the idea of uh, planning out what you want to do, if you're doing a, a diorama with a vehicle in it, it really helps to take that chassis <laughs> or, uh, or you know, just dry fit both halves of the airplane together if you're intending to build a scene with it and from day one begin thinking, how big is this scene going to be, you know? Uh, how how big right. a board do I need? And what are the elements that are going into it that are going to uh, uh, fill out this scene or this story I want to tell? Right. And that's that's one of the big re- or the big reason you don't just go buy a, a, a pre-made base. Right. You you want to plan the exact size that you're going to make the scene. Yeah, you don't want a, a small scene on a huge base or a uh, big and, and, and vibrant scene on a base that's too small. Which is incredibly important, and it's cre- incredibly common to see modelers uh, put some small vehicle and a couple figures on a massive yeah. base, and it just gets <laughs> swallowed up. But then how does that fit in? I've actually heard this, this interesting, um, given what we were just talking about. I've heard people say, well, that's how I want it. Well, okay. What what does that mean? You've you've just made a scene that doesn't look good to other people. Or maybe you and I, uh, being only human and having only four eyes between us, are missing that the point of the scene is the vast, empty space of the North African desert, and they wanted a- that that uh, you know crashed airplane or that tank to seem dwarfed by its surroundings, right? I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. That's, that's a really good point. But that, again, comes down to your central point. You have a vision. The reason we show our work to other people to get other uh, modelers' feedback, or even just lay people, you and I have wives who are uh, very talented artists right. who don't necessarily do the sort of stuff we do, uh, but can point stuff out. <laughs> That's why yeah. It's always great to have an editor, to have uh, another pair of eyes give you feedback. So uh, do you think in general that the online forums are offering good criticism? You know, it frustrates me sometimes. You're online uh, in these groups more than I am. And sometimes I see some fantastic uh, tips, right? Uh, Big debates now going on about lacquer or acrylic paint or, you know, somebody's (laughs) saying, I can't get past my old enamels. Uh, All right, okay. Um, But, you know, like I, I just read, you know, a series of posts this morning, like 25 of them, going on about MRP. What the, what the hell is MRP, Barry? MRP. So that's mis- – it was originally called Mr. Paint. Ah, okay. And it's a lacquer. <laughs> I knew it had something to do with lacquer. Yeah. All right. You know, so sometimes yeah. these guys uh, or these people who are, 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 are critiquing other people's work, well, you got to use MRP. And maybe this modeler uh, has no idea what MRP is, right? Or – there's also the problem of undue snark, right, in, in, yeah, in critiquing right, somebody's right. piece. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think there are two ways to look at that. There's definitely some snark, and, and people get offended. And, and I think a lot of people get too easily offended. But then there's the idea that you have to take, you have to take personalities into account. You have to give people some leeway with their personality, I think, anyway. And you'll see this with even different regions of the country. 
like where you're from, I mean, the I was a little bit shocked the way you talked to me at first. <laughs> it, 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 it's a little, it's a little scary sometimes. It's like, oh wow, he's aggressive, he's mad. No. No, you're well, not. You're, having <laughs> grown up across the river from New York City uh, in Jersey, and then going to Chicago, which is the most Jersey place in the in the country after Jersey, yeah, you know, it just it just you know <laughs> it's, it's a more highly caffeinated pace than you leisurely Westerners with your open spaces. Right, right. Well, that fits into what I'm saying, right? I mean, you 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 have to give people a little bit of room to have a personality and you have you can't just immediately take offense at what people are saying no there are some there's some examples on those groups and and scale model critique group in particular that will use some snark and they will not let you get away with anything that's true that's true but they also own it up top yeah right i mean don't they what do they call each other savages yeah savages uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> so clearly they're having a little bit of fun with this, right? And, you know, I mean, Joe Burton, a good friend of ours, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, always always used to joke that this hobby of painting uh, miniature figures in particular, it's midgets and weenies. You know what I mean? Let's not get too precious about this. Um, I think uh, when I've given critiques, when I've been asked to, to give feedback to a fellow model or you or people I don't know, um, you know, I, I keep in mind something that uh, Greg Cott, my, my radio partner, and I have always said about sound opinions and about music criticism. You know, don't hold back, right? You owe your reader, you owe, in this case, the other artist, 100% your honest opinion, Right, with right. the proviso that I don't know everything, I may be wrong about this, but um, you know whether that's spoken or unspoken. Um, however, you know you should should never write a piece of criticism or offer verbal criticism that you wouldn't give to somebody's face. And the internet, you know, makes it uh, it removes that sort of thing. And I'm sure the snarkiest people online, uh, you know, first of all, they're taking the time to give their thoughts. Right. Even right. if they are not spelling out Mr. Plastic Lacquer and just saying MRP, and I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're taking the time to give their thoughts. Right. Which is a gift to begin with. Um, you know, uh, but but uh, not. And I'm certain that those people, the snarkiest of them, if you sat down at an IPMS show or a figure show and said, hey, you know, I really admire your work. Would you tell me what you think of this? The, the tone is different. The internet oh, yeah. can, can, can give you a tone. Yeah. Well, the internet is like driving, right? Everyone in the other cars is a jerk. So. <laughs> you know, the only time these days when my jersey really comes out is when I'm on the highway. Yo, douchebag! That, that's when well, I re- resort to I, my... That must be the only time when my jersey comes out, too, because that's I, I turn into a complete jerk when I'm driving. I've seen you. And at I just hate end. everyone. It's true. It's true. But I'm still not as bad as my buddy in college, AJ. You know, AJ, would we'd come up to a red light, and he'd grip the wheel with white knuckles, and uh, he'd say, Red lights challenge my masculinity! <laughs> Which kind of frightened me until I realized it was just a routine. Yeah. All right, so so we've been talking about showing your work online as a critique, uh, showing it to fellow modelers, um, you know, maybe bringing it to a club meeting, putting it on the table. Um, all of this leads uh, to entering your work in a show. Right. Um, you know, you and I have served as head uh, judges or assistant judges to some of the biggest names in the figure hobby, uh, Shep Payne or Bill Horan. Uh, we have just been on judging teams at big shows like uh, uh, MFCA, the Miniature Figure Collectors of America out in Pennsylvania. Uh, we've done some World Expo judging, right? Uh, I run the judging every year with you as my right hand at the MMSI show. Right. Um, all right, so what is the point of judging work at a show? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's a critique? It's another critique. It's a formalized critique. Right. Yeah, is absolutely. It? Absolutely. And and I think it, it 
when you judge, when you're around people who, who know how to judge based on the rules that have been set up, right? I, I think it, it teaches you to look at things in a totally different way than you're used to. You're, when you're just at your bench modeling, you're not thinking in the same way. And, and I think it, it helps you see things. Yeah, yeah. But in the same way that if you tell me uh, three things about uh, uh, some work I've shared with you, you give me three points of feedback, and I think two of them are spot on, and one of them, I, he just doesn't, I, I disagree with him there, right? Um, you know, you have to go into um, uh, having your work judged and living with the judge's score um, the same way you do any critique. It's like, eh, right. okay, that's what those... Those judges thought. (laughs) You know, Barry, uh, we are most familiar with the open system of judging, which is what really prevails in the figure world. Uh, All of the big shows in America, uh, the MMSI, Military Miniature Society of Illinois, annual Chicago show, the MFCA show in in, uh, outside Philadelphia, Miniature Figure Collectors of America, the Atlanta uh, groups show down there, as well as in the World Expos. And um, I'm going to dominate the mic for a couple of seconds here because I want to explain to listeners who aren't familiar with the open system where the heck it came from. You know, in in 1983, Shep Payne, our friend and mentor, uh, got together with two modelers. I believe they were both Europeans, Bob Marion and Dick Hurdies. And they wrote uh, uh, an editorial in Campaigns Magazine um, in 1983, uh, A Call to Arms, in which they laid out what they thought was the ideal system for figure shows around the world to judge uh, modelers' exhibits. Uh, Shep always made the point, and you know this as well as I do, having judged, having been my my chief assistant uh, since Shep passed, and both of us were merely his minions when he was running the judging at the Chicago show. Shep always insisted, this is not a competition. This is a juried exhibition. Nobody is competing with anybody else when they bring their work to any show that is using the open system. A team of three judges and usually um, an assistant judge in training uh, who's along to to come up in the system and learn how it works. Three judges go through a designated area in the show. It might be historical painters, which are stock uh, figures that are painted, judged on the painting. It might be historical open, which could be anything from a sculpted single figure to converted uh, figures in a diorama, uh, to box dioramas. And, uh, you know, the same with ordnance and the same with, uh, with anything else at the show, fantasy. Three judges, they choose the piece. If there's five, they choose the piece that they feel is going to get the best award. So, you know, Shep always made the point that some shows are all about finding flaws. They have to figure out what is first, second, and third in a given category. That doesn't happen with the open system. The open system is judging every modeler's presentation based on his or her strength uh, and how their work measures up to the height of the hobby at that moment, (laughs) you know. So Shep always put it as four shelves. You know, the top is gold, the second is silver, the third is bronze, and the bottom shelf is a certificate of merit. And each judge, after they've chosen which piece to focus on, will score it. Four points for a gold, three for a silver, uh, two for bronze, right? And they do the choosing as a group, some discussion, which piece here they feel is the best, Uh, but the scoring they do individually. Uh, So it's not like you know what the other judge has scored a piece. Um, You may talk about the strengths and weaknesses when you're choosing which piece to score, but it, it is three people giving an honest opinion, a good hard look, and uh, uh, the average results in your award. Am I explaining that well, as Shep taught us? 
That sounds right to me. Another part of the judging team is you generally have an observer or a, a trainee judge, right? Right. right. Um, so most shows, you can volunteer to be one of those. And I think everyone who goes to, takes their work to be judged at some point should serve as an observer or trainee on a judging team to see how it really works and see how much work it really is. Yeah. And again, you know, the, the conversation uh, happens in the choosing of the piece, but not in the uh, scoring. Right. right. You know, right. and so it's not like uh, there's there's long arguments uh, between the judges about this is a silver slash gold. Uh, sometimes judges will discuss with each other if they're if they're really, you know, confused. Right. Um, right. But it becomes what democracy should be when it works, a consensus of knowledgeable people. Right. Yeah. Every year uh, in the judges room, we give that uh, inspirational three page Shep lecture about what the open <laughs> system is. But now that's not how other systems work. Um, you know, uh, they're moving toward it. Many other clubs are moving toward it. Uh, ReaperCon, one of the biggest shows in the fantasy world, is the open system now. And AMPS, the Armor Modeling and Preservation uh, Group, I mean, they do something similar, don't they? To yes, open they do. System. They do. In fact, they call it the open system, and it was uh, inspired by the original system that Shep was involved with uh, coming up with. So neither of us have actually participated in an AMP show, uh, so we're, we're definitely not experts. But uh, the podcast On the Bench, on their episode number 72, did a really good overview and actually went in-depth uh, about the, the uh, AMP's version of the open system. Yeah, and, you know, IPMS is very different, um, you know, and Shep went out of his way not to put down any other system, but he did have a saying that I heard him say a million times, and which I included in the book uh, that we did. He said, you know, the open system is not competitive. Modelers don't regard each other as rivals. In the end, modeling should be a creative endeavor, not a competitive one. If you want to compete, take up tennis. <laughs> right. Now, if you know Shep, you're laughing yeah. because yeah. we know Shep. The idea of Shep playing tennis. Uh, I, don't th- I don't know that Shep ever played anything. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Great artist, not an athletic man. No, that's right. So how does IPMS work in comparison? Because I've never been to a plastic modeling show. How, how do they do it? So in IPMS, all models of a certain category from different modelers are put on a table, basically. So let's say we're, we're looking at um, uh, 148-scale propeller-driven airplanes. Those are all put on a table, and the judges decide which one was the best, which one was the second best, which one was the third best? So 50, 50 prop 148th planes and um, three awards. Yeah, yeah generally. Some, sometimes, some IPMS shows, they will have multiple awards for first, multiple for second, multiple for third. That's somewhat rare. Or sometimes they will split categories out. Like you said, there's 50 airplanes. Well, sometimes they want to kind of spread it out a little more, and they'll say, okay, these, we're yep. going to give first, second, and third to Axis planes and first, second, and third to Allied planes, which I cannot wrap my head around how that works, because all you're doing is you're saying, well, we need to give first, second, and third to more people. <laughs> how, how does that work? Yeah. Well, that was always a big uh, subject of uh, criticism that Shep Payne had of that uh, of that way of judging, because that you know you said one forty eighth prop driven. There's also going to be one forty eighth uh, jet. There's going to be one you know, thirty second, uh, you know, and of each, you know, and it's like wow, uh, slicing and dicing and parsing uh, the entries uh, that way gets 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 crazy, right? As opposed to every single artist under the open system is judged. On, on his or her quality of work based on, and this is a nebulous phrase, uh, the standard of the hobby at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's the tough one. That's the toughest part of the open system, right? 
Yeah, because that standard is getting further and further out of reach. You oh, and yeah. I, you know, have, have our share of gold medals and a lot of silvers and, <laughs> and a lot of, couple of bronze, right? Okay. Um, as painters, and we marvel at, in particular, the way the European painters are, are, are pushing the envelope uh, with the quality of their painting. Right. What was a, a gold 10 years ago is maybe a bronze now. Yeah, yeah. Which is a sign of health for the hobby, I think. I think that's actually great. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I also think uh, that there are, are a lot of ideas we're going to share in future episodes for mere mortals, of which I consider my one, uh, myself one. You're, you're a far better uh, model. No, I, I'm, I'm definitely a mortal. Oh, well, the judge in me says you're far better than me. So, uh, <laughs> at least at 148th prop drip. No, 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 no. Um, uh, <laughs> ally. All right. So, just, just the ally. So, you know, I think that there are ways that mere mortals can really, uh, you know, get over the... Uh, get over that hump that they're not the greatest painter, not the greatest sculptor, uh, not the greatest modeler, and yet they can do things, and we're going to talk a lot about creativity as this podcast goes on, that really distinguishes their work. Well, you know, was it was it the best paint job? Was it the best, you know, this, that, the other thing? No, but man, I can't stop thinking about that one piece. It made an impact. How? We're going to talk a lot about that. But right now, we're still talking about judging so, so, um, and showing. So if you can come away dented from seven or eight or ten people making some comments on your French tank uh, online— all right, or me right. even. I'm, I I may have hurt your feelings. You said uh, from time to time you used to think I was angry all the time. No, no, no. I'm just enthusiastic. Uh, <laughs> you know. So so it, it is a skill to learn how to accept um, the criticism that you know you think is valid and be open to it, and to also uh, you know stick to your guns with your vision on the parts that aren't. Now we're at a show. Now we're at a show, and there's a, a you know first, second, or third gold, silver, bronze certificate at stake. How, you know, what advice do we have? I guess is useful to talk about as as being on both ends, right? Uh, having having received awards and having having been part of teams that judged awards. What what advice to people um, to keep it all in perspective? Well, I, I would say most generally. Don't take it too seriously. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? Illustrate. Well, I, I mean, I think the, the, the best way to approach a show, and especially when you're talking about the open system, is that is feedback. And it's a good way to know approximately where you are, I think. In most cases, it's, it's rare that you have just completely wacko judging, and it, it really shouldn't happen. I haven't really seen it a lot. No, and again, you know, the head judges at all these shows work really hard to make sure that there are not uh, judges with agendas or judges that uh, are following the lead of somebody else on the team, yes. that, that everybody's doing their job. Absolutely. Right. That's true. And, and I think, and it's so easy to do this, and I've done this before, um, it's easy to say, well, they're wrong, like I was saying before. Yeah. They're wrong. That's, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, your first thought should be, oh, okay, so I got a bronze. I wonder why they thought that was a bronze. And I think honestly talking to the judges and not, not being angry, but just talking to them and, and asking them why they thought that was a bronze, you're going to get some valuable feedback. Yeah, and some of it you may have to swallow the ego for a minute to really consider. Absolutely. Always... Keep an open mind about that. And, and another part of that goes along with not taking it too seriously, but also realizing that we're working in something that, that it's very subjective. We've both had the experience where we have a piece that got a bronze in one show and a gold in another. Yeah, we've, we have, yes. People see things in a different way. We're, we're talking about something that has elements of art, at least, in it. And this isn't a race. We don't know who crossed the finish line first, right? <laughs> yeah. No. There is no objective way to measure art. Right. 
you know, uh, you can measure lots of things uh, objectively uh, with numbers and time, and uh, but but art. Look, here's where I'll get art criticy on you for the first time, right? <laughs> you know, um, uh, this comes from uh, having been a professional music critic my my entire working life, uh, from having having worked with Roger Ebert, you know, the great film critic. I did music, he did movies. Uh, having done a biography of the great rock critic Lester Bangs, you know, there's two elements in judging art: head and heart. It's it's what does this piece of work uh, mean to you? What does it say to you? Intellectual response and how does this move you? Does it move you? Emotional reaction. You need both of those, right? You know, uh, uh, at, at every time. And since people are all different, um, people are going to have a, a, a different uh, intellectual read on a piece of work. This is what I think this means, and a different emotional reaction. This is how it makes me feel. Right. People are different. I just had a discussion with a figure modeler yesterday who was looking at my box dioramas, and he said, wow, I, I love them. They're so melancholy. Mm. He said, I love that. And it, it reminded me of at least two modelers who said, they're too sad. <laughs> they're just too sad. Why do you want to do that? As if... as. As if having lines of of soldiers murdering each other with a musket or isn't a sword yeah. isn't sad. I thought your French tank was sad. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was sad because they lost. <laughs> so, all right. So, objectivity is not what you want in any critic. You want 100% subjectivity. This is my honest emotional reaction and this is my intellectual read, 100% honesty. Um, fairness is different than objectivity. You know, I, it, you know, you may, as a judge, say, I don't particularly like this painting style, or I have seen one too many orcs in my life, or whatever, right? But, you, you know, you can put that aside and be fair right. and say, but this is... A, damn well-rendered orc. (laughs) You have to use that. You know, I mean, in the music world, in the food world, right, you can't be a great uh, restaurant critic and say, I love to eat everything. I love everything except Asian cuisine. Don't like it. Well, you know, you're you're therefore not a very good food critic if you are not open. Now, you're going to love some stuff more than others. That's only natural. Everybody's human. But it, it, you're not going to be a judge if you say uh, no no club that is under the open system is going to say I'm not I'm going to let you judge even though you hate uh, all pieces with a tank in it love airplanes right. hate tanks or vice versa or whatever <laughs> right you're just yeah. not going to they're, they're not you I, I and I think people mystify uh, this business of being judged at a show as you said it is always a good idea to volunteer to be an observer and you really come away with a better understanding um, nevertheless uh, how have we dealt with um, you know I want a gold for this, you know, and and I know the stakes are bigger at this show, but I came away with a bronze, right? How how have you you dealt with that? Because everybody is going to have their ego bruised at some point uh, going to a show and and submitting their work for review. How do you deal with it? Well, it's tough. It's not easy, but these are different judges. They're seeing something different. Yeah, but also I think it gets at the big question, my friend, of uh, why did we bring our work to the show? Right. You and I have talked about this many times. I I carried a box diorama all the way to Italy, right? Right. And um, uh, I think I got a bronze, right? Okay, big deal, right? Um, A, I was in Italy. I was thrilled right. to be in Italy, all right? Yeah. B, I was there with you and your lovely wife and my lovely wife and many of our friends, and we had a fantastic time. It was right? a great time. I, I, was, I couldn't even care less about the show. I mean, it was, I, it was I, great. It was a great time with the show happening, too. Okay. Yeah. Number three, uh, and I've said this to you, but we're on a podcast now, and this is why we're talking about it. Um, there were two moments when that work was on display, and the show was packed. Right, there were people yeah. from throughout yeah. <laughs> Europe. I mean, we met those two guys who drove from Russia, yeah, 
to Italy, yeah. right? Yeah, you know? yeah. The guy who had learned English from watching uh, American movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and that's another reason, right? We're with friends uh, old, and we're making friends new, and we're in Italy, and we're having fun, and there's a show. But you know, we're coming and going through the hall that whole weekend. Um, I saw uh, this group of Italian. Boy Scouts <laughs> being led and ooing and eyeing over my piece uh, for a good 10 minutes and, um, uh, you know, passing by other work that had won gold that was wowing me, um, you know, and it's like, wow, okay, I did something for those kids. And then there were the nuns. There were three Italian nuns. I, I had done a scene uh, of, uh, of French troops headquartered in uh, the convent in Milan. We were in Stressa, which is just north of Milan. Right. And, uh, you know, I figured I'm going to do something that is a scene. And famously, this is getting in the weeds here, but famously Napoleon... Uh, uh, on the Italian campaign in the 1790s, uh, you know, his uh, hussars, the light cavalry, were uh, uh, stabling the horses in uh, in this former uh, dining hall of the monastery. It happens to have been the dining hall where Leonardo da Vinci painted The Last Supper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And so I had all these French horses and these soldiers yucking it up in front of the Last Supper. And then that's a true story, right? Yeah. Um, and so these nuns were just fascinated. They knew the history. You know, I mean, like, I grew up, uh, you know, in Jersey City, right right by the Statue of Liberty. You know, it's like I'd been to the Statue of Liberty a dozen times on school trips. They'd all seen uh, the, uh, the Last Supper a dozen times in Milan, uh, you know, with school trips, right? And the nuns were fascinated and the Boy Scouts were fascinated. And I'm like, all right. All right, that's why I brought this piece to the show. And, and, and that was wonderful to see that. And that was better than any medal you could have gotten, right? I, I think so. I mean, get a grip. It always hurts. I, I feel sad when a modeler comes away dejected and disappointed by that little bronze. This is a piece of plastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with bronze with bronze colored paint on it in a little case. What are you, what are you, uh, you know, what, why does that matter so well, much? Well, it goes back to what, what do you take from the judging? Like I said, I think the, the, the best thing you can take is, is an idea of where you are in the hobby. Like, where really am I? Where, where do I fit in skills-wise? What do I need to work on? What do I need to do better? But there's, noth- there's nothing like getting those reactions from people who don't even know anything about the hobby. Right. Who say, wow, I can't believe this is so great. That's, that's the best. That's way better than any medal. And, and, and sometimes you will get other judges who have a totally different point of view from what, um, uh, what medal you got. But you also have come away despondent and said, I'm never going to enter a piece for judging again. From now on, it's for display only. I don't know that I've done... Have I done that? Yeah, you have. You have. Uh, But not because of a bad score, but just because, like, I just think this thing is so silly. The whole judging business. Because we've seen seen people whose feelings have been hurt. Yeah, that's more it. I've I've never been that upset um by something by a medal i got but i just i can't believe how upset some modelers have gotten and and it, and it it's 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 difficult from a judge's point of view to to feel like somebody thinks that you have swindled them out of something well yeah they haven't they are, been they, honest they they put a hundred hours work heart and soul into this piece. They brought it to the show. Maybe they traveled from afar. They're a great person. It's wonderful to see them again and hang out. And they went home sad. I think that yeah. that, that, that really hurts as a judge. It so, does. Yeah, I mean, if we got to sum up this topic of uh, critiquing uh, other people's work and having your work critiqued and the ultimate critique being maybe being judged at a show. Uh, the advice we've had, you've been, you've been uh, given a lot of it. Uh, number one, keep it in perspective. Right. All right. Uh, number two, remember that the critique or the award is not always right. Very true. Num- number three, uh, that having been said, uh, you know, if you want to improve as an artist, um, you know, 
then consider <laughs> what elements and talk to other people, maybe talk to the judges uh, and, and, and figure out why this was a bronze. Well, you know, what could I have done better here? Right. Right? And, and approach it like that. Not, why did you only give me a bronze? It's like, where do, where do you think this piece fell short? You know, right. you, you take the stuff that resonates, you really think about it, Right. Take it, you know, to heart. Uh, but feel free to dismiss, you know, well, eh, I ain't buying that that was a bronze. I ain't buying that whatever that critique, everybody. Maybe you didn't want that French tank to be dirty. Well, but at the same time, that's the difficult part, like I was saying. Um, deciding what parts to keep and what parts to throw away, not, not take advice on it's kind of difficult because some of those things that you think you shouldn't take the their advice you might be wrong so that's oh, a yeah. difficult oh, yeah. balancing act oh yeah and and you know that another thing that this this makes me think of is that this kind of goes both ways too because when you give somebody advice you can't be hurt that they didn't take it oh yeah that's that's for sure right I yeah mean, you, you all you can do is tell them what you think, how you see the piece, and let it go at that. You can't be offended when they disagree or just disregard what you've said. No, no. Uh, it's, it's all a give and take. But the more of these conversations you have, if you approach them in the right way, the, the easier it becomes. Right. All right. Well, Barry, we have made it through uh, our first episode. I, I hope... Uh, people uh, found something of worth in all that yakking. Uh, if not, hey, we got another one coming next. What, what, what are we going to do on episode number two? Our next episode is going to be a lot of fun. We have an interview with John Rosengrant, who is not only well-known for his special effects work in Hollywood, he's also an excellent modeler. Yeah, I mean, geez, not only is the guy a consistent gold medal sculptor, figure painter, armor modeler, he's the child! <laughs> That's right. In The Mandalorian. <laughs> we'll explain all that next time. But thank you for listening. <laughs>